0: Time says those discussions between Giuliani and Trump about Trump potentially pardoning him. Uh, those discussions have taken place alongside, and contemporaneous to this ever-escalating role that Mr. Giuliani has taken as the public mouthpiece for the president's grievances and complaints about the election results. And apparently, as Mr. Giuliani has now moved on from that to him making personal interventions with the federal government, him personally intervening to try to get federal agencies to effectuate one of these crazy ideas they have about how they could nullify the election by seizing voting machines. And so, you know, not not to state the obvious or anything, but here's the president promising that he's giving everybody a pardon as basically a party favor for the lame duck period. Oh, take this as you go, a parting gift. And here's somebody who it appears might very handily benefit from a federal pardon right now because he is under active and potentially escalating federal criminal investigation. And that person who could really benefit from a federal pardon, who has reportedly been in talks already with the president about really wanting a preemptive federal pardon, that person has decided that he will be the most help to the president in this off-the-deep-end connivance to try to say the election didn't happen, the election didn't matter, and somehow Trump's president now forever.
1: Any investigation going on that is targeting the Trump mafia would have to start looking at who is the weak link, who would flip like a bitch if time in the pokey, or a ruined financial future. With the bizarre cast of characters that have surrounded Trump, this shouldn't be hard. One piece of news that leaked out the week of December 20th of 2020 was that the Southern District wanted to look at Rudy Giuliani's email or that they were going to subpoena his electronic communications. According to a report in New York Magazine, though the scope of the investigation is still unknown, the report suggests that the investigation into President Trump's personal attorney is still active. The legal request to go forward is that the Southern District of New York needs Washington's approval before its prosecutors can ask a judge to sign a search warrant for materials that may be protected by attorney-client privilege, according to department policy. This news alone to me is staggering. It was the Southern District where Rudy made his bones going after the Mafia with the tool of Rico. If he was to end up inside that same courtroom as a defendant, I think, and I'll have to check, would be the first time a U.S. attorney from the Southern District has ever been indicted by the Southern District. The bigger question surrounding loyalty in Trump is will Trump pardon Rudy himself in order to keep him away from any federal investigations. And how does that work? If you aren't charged with a crime as of yet, what does a pardon actually do?
2: The Department of Justice in, is investigating a potential bribery for pardon scheme involving presidential pardons. This is a developing story right now, and the DOJ says that no White House and officials are under investigation. That is also including the president. But the president is reportedly mulling over potential pardons for friends and family. So there are questions about what is and isn't allowed, really, when it comes to presidential pardons. So let's go now to Stacey Hawkins. She's a Rutgers Law School professor. Constitutional law is one of her specialties, which is very good because I have many questions about what is allowed in the Constitution, professor. So I wanna start first with this little bit from the Constitution. It's an Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1. It says, well, it goes on to say, He shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States except in cases of impeachment. So we're already seeing here that there's built in some kind of limitations to presidential pardon powers. I'm wondering if this was the only limitation as the framers saw it. Is the president allowed to pardon whomever for essentially whatever except for in cases of impeachment?
0: That is essentially true, and there were some concerns about how broad the presidential pardon power is in the Constitution, Um, but those concerns were resolved by suggesting that if there was any impropriety in the exercise of the presidential pardon power, that impeachment was really the remedy for that, that the president could be impeached for abusing his pardon power. Um, But the pardon power was uh, broadly granted, and the only thing excluded is impeachment itself.
1: So if I'm Donnie, then I'm just gonna pardon my crew. But Michael Cohen in the last episode argued that Donnie probably won't, but come on. Rudy, as his personal fixer, like Michael Cohen, has to know where the bodies are buried. At this point, in some respects, he might've even buried a few. Rudy is no stranger now to doing international deals in the Ukraine and other despot hotspots, so who knows? these pardons should start to happen the week of the holidays and heading into the new year. And I'm sure the Justice Department, the Southern District, Letitia James, and Cy Vance are all watching this. And that brings up a good point. The main investigation into the Trump mafia is that of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, led by Cy Vance. But who the hell is Cy Vance? And does he have the chops to go after Trump world?
3: So my opportunity and my pleasure today is to talk with you a little bit about the changing role of the prosecutor uh, as, as I've seen it and as we're trying to frame it uh, in New York City in Manhattan. And I will tell you that uh, this clearly for all of us has been a, uh, a very, very changing, powerful, uh, headlifting moment of the last several years. Uh, for me, myself as a prosecutor, uh, I see, obviously, I see that the administration, for example, that had previously been a major funder of support to uh, economically disadvantaged communities, for example, uh, moving away from that kind of support. So that has big implications for a city like New York. Uh, and I see that on issues of race, and we all see, and we've seen it, reading it in the, t- in the papers, and it's at the top of all of our minds, certainly over the last several years, that America uh, is focused on race and criminal justice, and uh, who is in the justice system, why, how did it get that way? And one thing that really moved me that I just wanna share with you before I get into the work that we've done is the what I saw when I came into the court in Manhattan 35 years ago when I was a young assistant district attorney in the Manhattan DA's office in 1982. And I remember being sent down to nighttime arraignments. We used to work the court shifts from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. It's called the lobster shift. And you couldn't be struck but by the fact that 90% of the men and women who were coming in as defendants in court on those hours were men and women of color. Uh, And at a certain point, uh, uh, it's just so obvious that you have to ask yourself exactly how is this happening. I left the office after six years, but what was most remarkable to me and what was driving my thinking, uh, which I'll talk about, is when I came back to the DA's office 35 years later uh, to lead it in 2010, and I went down to arraignment Hours had shifted, we'd eliminated overnight arraignments. What did I see? I saw 90% of the men and women in court coming through court men and women of color. How was it possible that over 35 years that the same picture would present itself in this courthouse with so much that has been done and so much that we've learned in America and in our justice system in the intervening 35 years? So my challenge, first and foremost, well first is DA, uh, the fundamental challenge is you focus on public safety on the streets against violent crime, against uh, special and vulnerable victims, against terrorism, and against economic crime. And you strive for a justice system, and my job is to make a justice system more fair.
1: This Cy Vance sounds like a guy who's fighting justice, but the Manhattan District Attorney's office is like swimming with sharks. And keep in mind, it's a political office. The fight for justice isn't pure, It isn't always about taking down the bad guys. Yet, the messaging always has to be on point.
4: So the Daily Politics is catching
1: up with Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance. And what are you working on and what's on your mind lately?
3: Well, I'm up here at the Daily News uh, talking to the editorial board about our priorities in the DA's office. And really my job is first and foremost to make sure that uh, the the streets of Manhattan are safe and that crime stays low and so what I'm working on is policies within the office uh, first and foremost to make sure that we protect people residing in Manhattan. So our focuses are for example on uh, making sure that we do the best we can in reducing uh, the possibility that guns get in the hands of youth to deal with gang violence, to deal with uh, you know, drugs that get into schools. Uh, we are very concerned about more support for cases involving domestic violence and on. And all those offenses that affect the daily lives of New Yorkers. At the same time, the office has been very involved in making sure that our economic crimes agenda is strong. Uh, So we have been uh, opened up a cybercrime unit to help us with cases that not only involve uh, crimes against businesses like hacking, but also crimes on the street. Uh, And uh, we have been involved in announcing a major economic crimes bureau to make sure that our office's enforcement activities in the marketplace are aggressive and appropriate.
1: So now you know a little bit about Cy, what he is looking into as it relates to the Trump mafia, and what crimes inside Manhattan could he go after. Now keep in mind, Cy is not a federal entity, so any pardons don't have any effect on what he might be up to. He doesn't answer to the federal government. And to be honest, if you end up in a state jail versus a federal jail, God help you, at the federal jails, in some parts, you got a shot at a somewhat normal jail existence, if there's actually anything like that. You go to a state jail, As a fucking living nightmare, I don't wish on anyone.
4: As the legal fight over Donald Trump's taxes continues, the deeper the investigation into his financials seems to be getting. A new filing by Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance reveals that his office is also now looking into possible bank and insurance fraud by Trump and his company. It's a broader scope than we first knew, and it comes as Vance continues to argue that the president must comply with the subpoena for eight years of his taxes. At the same time, we're also learning that the longtime personal banker of Donald Trump and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner at Deutsche Bank, a woman by the name of Rosemary vrablich is under internal investigation for a real estate deal she made in 2013 with a company partly owned by kushner both trump and kushner were her clients at the time and through the years she has loaned them hundreds of millions of dollars for various projects joining us now senior columnist for bloomberg Opinion, someone who's been following trump's money for years tim o'brien let's separate the stories take me through the first one first the cy vance looking into a broader uh, sort of scope of an investigation that looks at bank and insurance fraud. That sounds like what Michael Cohen seemed to be hinting at when he testified before Congress on his way to prison. And I know they shared notes. What do you think this is about?
5: Well, I think this one is a 100 percent Michael Cohen as one of the, you know, every Prosecutor, like every investigative reporter, Nicole really relies on an insider guiding them through the woods. Very little of the stuff is de novo in the end; it's inside sources. And uh, I would suspect that that Michael Cohn is a key source in this. He said in his congressional testimony uh, that Donald Trump's chief operating officer, Matthew Calamari—yes, Trump's chief operating officer's last name is Calamari—his uh, his accountant, essentially, Alan Weisselberg, <laughs> and and. Yeah. And Ron Lieberman, another executive, all had knowledge of Trump routinely inflating the value of his assets uh, in order to get bank loans and insurance policies. Uh, This came up in our litigation with him. He obviously sued me after I provided evidence in a book that he had spent decades inflating his wealth and his assets. It wasn't just a game to gain attention. It was also a tool he used to get bank loans. And you are not allowed to misrepresent yourself to banks and insurers if you want money from them. Uh, clearly, Sy Vance said in court today that they're looking into the possibility of criminal fraud around those things. The shoe that's dropping here is we are now in the wake of the Supreme Court saying that Trump uh, right. can't withhold uh, his tax returns from a prosecutor so his tax returns are in play but also the other thing that's in play here Nicole is uh, this this will probably go beyond the election this fall and and if he's doesn't get re-elected some of the protections of the presidency are going to fall away and he's going to have to face these prosecutors without that armor around him so this is a very significant development
1: a few days to think about here and to maybe ponder Donald Trump has lived most of his life in the public eye. And he's been operating a Trump organization all the way back to the 70s. He's dealt with the mafia not only in New York City, but goddamn in Atlantic City in the 80s when the crazy Philly mob was running around. He has always rubbed elbows with all kinds of shady motherfuckers. Now I understand, he's hated so much. But what exactly at this point is Cy Vance looking at as it relates to tax fraud, bank fraud, or any kind of fraud for that matter. Cy Vance has been the Manhattan DA for 11 years now. The question I want to know is why now, man? If the Trump Organization has been doing dirty shit for so many years, what took Cy Vance so long to look into it?
6: All right, we are just going through some of this breaking news. Moments ago, President Trump issued another round of pardons, including for some very big names Roger Stone, his former campaign advisor, pardoned. Paul Manafort, his former campaign chair, both were convicted as part of the special counsel Mueller's probe into Russian election interference for sort of peripheral issues around that story and that investigation. Also, Charles Kushner. FATHER OF PRESIDENT TRUMP'S SON-IN-LAW, JARED KUSHNER, uh, WHO DID TIME IN PRISON DECADES AGO, HAS ALSO BEEN PARDONED. JOINING ME NOW, MARK Tyson, AMERICAN ENTERPRISE INSTITUTE SCHOLAR AND BRETT TALLMAN, FORMER U.S. ATTORNEY AND FORMER SENATE Judici- JUDICIARY COMMITTEE COUNSEL. GREAT TO HAVE BOTH OF YOU uh, WITH US THIS EVENING. GOOD TO BE WITH YOU, MARTHA. Um, Brett- great to have you. So Brett, let me get your thoughts on this first. Um, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, explain to everybody what they were convicted of, why they did time, and now this pardon tonight.
3: Well, look, I mean, this is not unexpected for those who follow closely the Mueller investigation, some of the the pressure tactics and, and questionable investigations that went forward and the 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 almost forced um, prosecutions
1: that, that occurred. The ceremony of presidential pardons is something that has always drawn minimal attention. For Bill Clinton, his most controversial pardon was Mark Rich, a commodities trader who did oil deals with Iran. I don't really remember Obama getting that much attention with his pardons. But in the Trump years, the media has turned every pardon Trump does into theater. Paul Manafort and Roger Stone were obvious choices, and both guys were immensely dirty. In the future episodes, we'll take a look inside the connections between Roger Stone and WikiLeaks and Paul Manafort and just how close he was to the Russians. One has to wonder now, if Manafort goes off into the sunset quietly, or does he decide to tell his story in a book or a film? He seemingly has the most dirt under his fingernails as it relates to the
7: Mueller investigation. So I met Paul Manafort in 2008 uh, in Ukraine. He was working for Viktor Yanukovych, who was the kind of pro-Russian uh, kind of uh, sort of soon to be prime minister and uh, president. Um, and Manafort is clever. I think he's a lot cleverer than some of the people in Trump's team. Uh, he uh, is imposing. Um, he is a first class political, political technologist. But he's also utterly unscrupulous and immoral, I would say. And all of the stuff he told me when we met about Yanukovych being a reformed character, learning English, playing tennis for the US ambassador. Uh, was a lie apart from possibly the tennis but but generally um it was untrue it turns out Yanukovych wasn't reformed when he became president he, he he locked up his political opponent another woman not Hillary Yulia she was called Yulia Timoshenko and he basically kind of squashed parliament the courts um ended up i would say provoking a war uh, in which Russia came in and seized Crimea and then he skipped off to Russia stealing billions. That was Paul Manafort's client. The next client was Donald Trump. Go figure.
1: In the final days of 2020, The holiday doldrums have left the news cycle limping along. Bonnie Boy is at Mar-a-Lago playing a bit of golf and surely planning his next round of presidential pardon. The lingering question that I am positive will hit the news cycle in the first weeks of January is will Donald pardon himself? Can he pardon himself? Can he pardon his daughter or son, or anyone for that matter? Can these pardons be used as a get-out-of-jail-free card the federal level, once the Trump family ends their reign? I hope we'll find out very soon. One of the weirdest quirks of being an American president is having the power to pardon anyone for any federal crimes. Sort of like a cheat code for America's justice system. And it looks like President Trump is gonna spend the next two months mashing those buttons.
3: President Trump may soon wield the power of the pardon in unprecedented ways. Multiple sources say the president is weighing whether to preemptively pardon family members and several of his close associates.
6: Among the names the president has discussed behind the scenes, the oldest three of his five children, Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka, as well as his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Sources tell ABC News the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, is also among those who in recent weeks directly asked President Trump for a preemptive pardon, though Giuliani Denies it. Let's just break down uh, crystal clear what's being considered here. We're talking about pardons being issued before the president leaves office for people who've not even been charged with the crime. A preemptive get at a jail free card before a crime has even been committed, possibly for friends, family, even the president himself.